All right. Well, our students are headed down to um, uh, the student uh, center down there. So if you have a middle school or high school student, uh, we want you to know that every single week, uh, man, our students join us during the 11, uh, 15 worship time, and then they head down um, and, um, and have a, a time of discussion and, and, and Bible study down there. So, uh, man, you're more than, more than welcome to go down there and be a part of that uh, during this time as well. So, hey, uh, today we're continuing our series called Picture this. Um, we're in the series of Christmas, and I'm excited to share this next step with you, next uh, message in the series. But before we do, I want to let you know about a, a very special opportunity as a church uh, for us to um, uh, give at Christmas time. Um, every single year, we have a Christmas project. Sometimes it's a Christmas offering. Sometimes it's uh, gathering certain things. Well, this year, um, our focus is going to be on some uh, refugees in our local community um, through our Refugee Christmas project. And so what we want you to, to do is this, is that in the lobby, um, close to the outside doors, there's a Christmas tree with ornaments on it. Each one of those ornaments contains uh, something, maybe some shoes, hygiene products, toiletries, coats, hats, gloves, scarves, all those kind of different things that we're asking you to take that ornament, go and purchase those items to wrap it up, to put the tag back on the top of the present so we know what's inside, and then to bring those back between now and Christmas Eve. And, um, and in doing that, um, we want to let you know why we feel compelled to have this be our focus this year. Um, in our world currently today, there are over 60 million people who, because of violence and, um, and, and famine, things like that, have fled from their homes and are considered refugees. That's the largest number of people on this planet since World War II. And many of these refugees find themselves in places where they're in transition in refugee camps and just trying to find a place to live. And then, and then some get brought to different countries and they get um, brought here and to given a new shot and making a new home and a new place. Well, we are working with specifically with um, a ministry and a pastor who himself was a refugee um, to help with this project. And I had a chance to meet him uh, this past week here at the church. His name is uh, Joseph Fatton McGumby. Um, he's been, uh, this is the picture up. He's been a, um, a resident of Fredericksburg for seven years, became a U.S. citizen in 2013. Um, that's his wife, Danita. They have four, uh, children all the way from nine to 18, Agnes, Claudine, Meshach, and Happy. And his story is a very compelling one. Um, he and his family are from Burundi, Africa. And back, there was a civil war back in, um, 1972 that began and, and his, family were um, targeted um, for two reasons. One, because they're Christians, they're followers of Jesus. The second was because that they, as a family, possessed some land and livestock and things like that. And so one night they had to flee from their home because rebels were coming and those rebels were coming to kill, um, to kill Josephat and his father, all the men in the family, to take possession of all the different property and the things that um, that they had. And so this began a journey for them of, of 36 years of being a refugee. Um, between uh, that time and, and one time uh, in between two transition camps, um, he felt a call to be a minister. And in that call, God led him to, um, uh, to his uncle who took him and uh, began to train him to be a pastor and to lead Bible studies. At the age of 18, he did that. Well, in 1997, they began to pray for a safe home. And then in 2004, began a three-year process that eventually led them to the United States and led them here. And Josephat and his family came to Fredericksburg and had just a hard time connecting. 
a hard time getting acclimated. You know, things like the language barrier, um, things like um, uh, just being hired and finding a job um, as a refugee who spoke little English. Um, finding people to come around and just kind of help navigate their life. They were sharing a story with me just about some of the, the things that you don't think about in making a transition to a whole new culture. And in that transition, one of the things was when they got their apartment, some people came alongside of them and, and they left a cake that they had baked in the refrigerator. And that cake had flowers on it and all that kind of stuff. Well, they had no idea what the cake was. And so they left the cake in there month after month because they didn't want to throw it away because somebody made it for them, but had no idea that that was supposed to be something that you ate. So something as simple as that, just, and imagine all the other stuff of trying to find where you buy groceries, where you go to get a driver's license, all those different things, having people to come around and support them for food and transportation. And so he began to be a natural leader of 12 refugee families in the Fredericksburg area. And he began to minister to them, not just physically, but minister to them spiritually. And so he has actually, uh, this past year, planted a church down in Richmond uh, for Swahili speakers and, uh, and doing ministry. And so he's uh, supported by some families um, locally, but um, he has this ministry and is basically taking on the task of caring for these refugee families that God brings to him. And so the opportunity we have is to help them by just giving some supplies and some gifts that he can use in ministering to these families as they um, present the gospel to them and help them find out. And so it's a great opportunity in the, uh, out there in the lobby next to the Christmas tree with all the ornaments. There's a, a TV out there that's running um, some information about his story. His brother was actually featured in, in, on the BBC in a documentary that kind of shares more about their story and their journey and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's so cool at this time of year to be able to think about somebody besides ourselves when so often culture is always focusing on gifts and getting and all those kind of things. And, and God's word for us as Jesus people, Jesus followers, God has a very specific challenge for us that we are to care for those who are less fortunate, to care for those who are in need. And specifically at times to care for those who the Bible calls exiles or foreigners. Deuteronomy ten nineteen says this, so you too must show love to the foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And it says to them, listen, that because of what you've experienced, you need to care for those who find themselves in new places. And so I'm excited, church, that we get to be a part of that. And I want to encourage you to join us as we do that this Christmas season. So stop by and grab uh, one of the, um, the ornaments out there. And, and as a family or an individual, uh, make that part of your Christmas this year. So... We're in this series called uh, Picture This. And, and, you know, Christmas and pictures go hand in hand. You know, my family and I went and we had our Santa pictures taken last week. Uh, I wasn't in it. We weren't in it. The kids, we made the kids get in it. But uh, they took their pictures, you know, family portraits, family pictures, you know, pictures around the Christmas tree, opening presents. You know, pictures are always a part of Christmas. But the, the big idea we're looking at is this, is that pictures don't always tell the whole story. That, that a picture is truly just a snapshot. It's one moment of what was happening around the time that picture was taken. And you know the old saying, a picture's like a thousand words, a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, that's true because in the context of a picture, there's a whole story going on. And, and, and so for instance, um, my family and I, 
Uh, we um, went and had some pictures made a couple of months ago, and uh, we were outside at this, uh, this friend of ours was taking the pictures. She's a professional photographer, and uh, she's got all this land, and they have some miniature horses. And so she had the idea of getting a picture of our youngest daughter, Layla, who's two, year old, two years old at the time, uh, with, with a horse. And so this is the picture that we got that, that came out of this. All right? That's pretty sweet, huh? Um, I mean, just, I mean, when I got the picture, I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, that's incredible, you know? Well, that's not the whole story though. <laughs> See, that was one picture in a series of events that happened. The very next image after that was actually this. <laughs> See, she was all good until the horse decided to move. And then once the horse moved, she took off, Right. And even in, some of the, even in some of the pictures, what you don't see was there was a, 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 a teenager who was there helping the photographer out and was actually helping to hold the horse steady, right? And so, you listen, a picture doesn't tell the whole story. You know, you look at the, the first picture and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, that's so great. You know, it must have been easy, all that kind of stuff. But the real story was this, is it took a whole lot more to get the one picture than we thought, right? And the same is true with our lives is that sometimes if we just take a snapshot picture of one moment of our life, it might tell part of a story, but the full story of who we are is not just that one picture. It's our entire life. And sometimes we can define ourselves based upon that one picture or miss what God has really done by looking only at one snapshot. And we see the same thing being true when it comes to the Bible, especially the story of Christmas. Because if I were to ask you like I did last week, what picture comes to mind when you think of the Christmas story? Chances are for a lot of us, it's the final picture. It's the nativity scene where you've got the, the nice, neat, clean barn and you have the hay that nobody has, has pooped on, right? Because it was a stable, right? You got this nice stuff. You know, Jesus is laying in the horse trough. He's angelic. He's not crying. You know, he just, he, he, he was just, you know, birthed, but he looks perfect, right? You got all that stuff going on. Mary and Joseph are there. They're just got these looks on their face. Like this is the most incredible thing in the world. You got the, the shepherd boys who are all clean with mopped hair, you know, kind of being over here. You got the wise men who didn't show up till like three weeks later, but they're still in the picture. And you got, you know, all these big people like kind of here and you're like, that's the Christmas story, right? All nice and neat and clean and easy and joy to the world. But the reality is, is that one snapshot isn't the whole story. That the true story of Christmas is not just one picture. It's multiple pictures. It's multiple events and things that happened that weren't so nice and easy, that weren't so neat and clean. And why that's important is because when we look at the Bible and the characters in the Bible, those ordinary people that God used in extraordinary ways, then we can sometimes paint a picture and take a snapshot that makes us feel like we can never be like them, that we can never have their faith. We can never have their discipline. We can never have their obedience. When in reality, so often their story is more like your story and my story than we really believe. And so this season, what we're doing is walking through the Christmas story, looking at different characters and saying, let's not look at just the one snapshot. Let's look at the whole story. And today we want to look at the story of Joseph, Jesus's earthly father. And so if you have your notes, you take that out. Um, Matthew chapter one, we're going to read this story of how Joseph found out about the birth of Jesus and how he found out about what God had in store for his life. Let's read this together. Matthew chapter one, verse 18 through 19. 
This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before, she, before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, Matthew tells the Christmas story through the perspective of Joseph. Luke takes it through the perspective of Mary. So you kind of see the two sides of the picture coming together. But so let's look at this. Joseph was married, was, was engaged to a, a girl named Mary. Now, to understand the context, we have to understand what engagement was like in the Jewish culture in Joseph's day. It's different than it is in our day today. That in order to become engaged, to get married, two families would come together. And the two families would agree that this, that this man and woman could become husband and wife. And they would negotiate a, a bridal price that the, the groom's family would have to pay to the, uh, the bride's family as a dowry. And then once all that was set, there would be a public announcement that was made. And when that public announcement was made, it was in essence like they were married. It wasn't just an engagement. They were bonded. They were pledged. They were betrothed together. And so for that to be broken would in essence be what we would consider to be like a divorce. And so then there would be a season of time after the announcement, about a year or so, where the husband and wife would live separately. The, the husband would go back to his house or, and he would build on and he would prepare a place for his wife to come once they, once they finalized the marriage. And then during that year, it was also a time where the wife's purity was tested where she had to remain pure. And if she was found to, um, to not be faithful to her fiance during that time, the fiance had the right to break off the um, engagement. And so they're in this season of waiting and Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. And so Joseph has a decision to make. What's he gonna do? Either he didn't know or he didn't believe the, the story that Mary had encountered an angel and that angel had told her that she would become pregnant from the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph decides, being a righteous man, that he wants to honor God's law. He's going to divorce her. He's going to annul the marriage, the engagement, but he's going to do it in a quiet way. He's not going to do it in a way that's going to publicly disgrace his fiance Mary. But then something else happens. Look at verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph decides to divorce Mary, but to do it in a way that's not going to publicly disgrace her. And then he has a dream and the angel, the same angel that comes to Mary, comes to Joseph and says, listen, here's what's going on. That the baby inside of Mary is not a birth because of her unfaithfulness or her lack of purity and commitment to you. It's from the Holy Spirit. And this baby is going to be the son of God. You're going to name him Jesus, which means God saves. And he's going to be the long-awaited Messiah, the savior of the world, the one that has been promised to come and to save people from their sins, to bring people forgiveness and freedom in this world. And I'm asking you to be his earthly father. And so Joseph wakes up and he has a decision to make. Is he going to believe what the angel said in the dream, is he going to believe that he's now part of this ancient prophecy that God would 
send a son and he would be Emmanuel, God with us. He has to make that decision. And so we see in Matthew 1, what Joseph does. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So Joseph immediately takes Mary to be his wife. He chooses to follow the command of the angel, God's command and plan for his life. Now we look at that story and we think, okay, well, of course, that's how the story goes. But we got to remember that Joseph was an ordinary person, a real person, just like you, just like me. A person that was probably going through an incredible amount of disappointment. Maybe some anger because his fiance is pregnant. He's probably going through a lot of questions about what is, what are his friends going to think? What's going to happen when he has to get this divorce? All of these emotions are going through Joseph's mind. And then all of a sudden God says, listen, there's a whole different story you need to understand. And Joseph has to make the decision. He has to say, what am I going to do? And what we see about Joseph is, is that Joseph decides to follow what God had commanded. In verse 20, it says, the angel says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. See, I think Joseph, one of the things he had to overcome was he had to overcome some fear. He had to overcome this struggle to be brave because to say yes to what God was saying was saying yes to a lot. It was saying yes to a lot of uncertainty. It was saying yes to a lot of maybe, you know, persecution and what people are going to say about him, what people are going to think about them. It was saying yes to being the son, I mean, the father of the son of God. Now you want to talk about just the fear of messing up as a parent, right? I mean, I worry about my kids and my kids aren't God's kids. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but I mean, I mean, think about that. He says, listen, you're going to take care of my son and I'm God. Right? The one that sent like the gnats and the frogs and the locusts and the plagues. Like, don't mess with me, okay? And he has to say yes to all of that. But can you imagine that he has to find himself in this place of choosing to be brave, of choosing faith over fear, of choosing courage over the circumstances? And see, here's the thing that we can understand is that God is going to have the same type of thing for us. Now, we're not going to be called to be the earthly father of Jesus, the son of God. But God in our life will lead us to certain times, certain things where we're going to have to make the decision. Are we going to follow God? Are we going to have courage? Are we going to have faith? Are we going to choose to be brave? Or are we going to back away from what God has commanded because we're afraid? That struggle to be brave is a struggle that Joseph had, and it's a struggle that we're going to have as well. But Joseph is an example for us of how we can choose to be brave, even in difficult, uncertain times. And here's how we can have courage. And Joseph is a model for this. Write this down. That courage is itself, here's what it is. It's choosing confidence in God over the circumstances in life. That courage is choosing confidence in God over the circumstances in life. To have true courage is to put our confidence and our faith in what God can do and what God has said and not to be overwhelmed by the circumstances in life that we find ourselves going through. Joseph was struggling to be brave, but Joseph chose to be courageous. 
You know, some, some commentators say this, and, and, and I haven't counted this, but this is what many say and many believe, that, that when you look at that idea of being brave, that idea of, um, you know, don't be afraid in Scripture, to have courage in Scripture, that the, the Bible tells us to have courage to not be afraid around 365 different times in Scripture. Around 365 different times, the Bible says, don't be afraid, have courage, take heart, be strong and courageous, something along that lines. But I think it's kind of interesting how the Bible says that 365 times and there are 365 days in a year. It's as if God says, you're going to have to choose to be brave. You're going to have to choose courage every single day you choose to follow me. And so what I want to look at during our time that's left is this. I want to look at how did Joseph choose to be courageous. How, how did he have to choose courage? Because I think there are four qualities. There are four ways that he chose to be courageous, that he chose to put faith over fear. He chose to be brave instead of to be fearful. And I, and I think this connects to us because you might find yourself in a situation where you're being challenged right now to be brave in this way to be brave in a situation that, that, that really connects back to one of these things. And so write these down. Here, here's four characteristics, four courageous qualities, four ways that we see Joseph choosing to be brave in his story. So let's write this down. The first one is this, is that Joseph was faithful to God. Is that Joseph chose to be brave in the, his faithfulness to God. That Joseph did what God called him to do. But what's interesting is this, is that while he did what God called him to do, we, we get the impression that this faithfulness was not something that, that just came on him all of a sudden when the angel arrived. But it's as if this faithfulness, this courage was something that had become part of his character, part of who he was. Look what the Bible says about Joseph in Matthew 119. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. So he didn't become a righteous man. He didn't become faithful. He was faithful. He was a righteous man, that part of the character of who he was, was he was somebody that had made the decision multiple times in his life to follow God's word, to be faithful to God. And that's so important because our faithfulness forges courageous character in our life. That the faithfulness that we show to God on a daily basis, it prepares us for the times where we're going to have to choose to be brave in larger ways that our faithfulness forges a courageous character in us. Look what the Bible says about that in Proverbs 28.1. It says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. So the wicked, those who are unfaithful to God, they fear and run away even when there's nothing to be afraid of. It says they run away when nobody is chasing them, but the godly, the godly are as bold as lions. Now, what is a lion considered? A lion is considered to be the what of the jungle? The king, right? Well, why is the lion the king of the jungle? Because he's the most powerful. He's the dominant one. And the lion then considers himself and carries himself with an incredible level of confidence and courage. Why? Because he's the king. Because he knows that he is more dominant and more powerful than whatever he's going to encounter in the jungle. Well, so how does that work for us? How, how are we then like lions and we're bold like lions? Because when we're faithful, what that does is that builds confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. 
And it builds our confidence that God can use us. Because when God does things through our lives and he shows up in our lives and he uses us to do his work in our lives, then when other opportunities come, we can look back and we can say, listen, God was faithful here. God can be faithful there. And so Joseph chose to be courageous in his faithfulness to God. But that faithfulness wasn't a one-time thing. That faithfulness was, I believe, a pattern in his life that led him to be a person of courageous character. That when it mattered most, he was able to choose courage. The second thing we see about Joseph was that he had the courage to be compassionate to others. He had the courage to be compassionate to other people. You might be asking, okay, well, what does compassion have to do with being courageous. Well, I think it takes incredible courage and bravery at times to be compassionate to other people. Because if you're going to show compassion to somebody else, oftentimes what that means is that you're going to put their needs before yours. You're going to put their struggles before yours. You're going to put what they desire or what's best for them before what may be what maybe what you desire. And go back to the story of Mary and Joseph. So Joseph was a righteous man. So Joseph had a reputation in the community as one who followed God, who one who lived in a faithful way. Now imagine then at that point that Joseph says, I'm going to choose to marry Mary, that I'm going to go ahead and, and, and bring her as my wife. In essence, what he's doing in the eyes of some people is he's admitting guilt that that is my child, that we were not faithful to God, that we broke God's command and we broke God's covenant, that we had sex before marriage. And, 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 and so, you know, that's a public thing in that culture back then. And, and then with that, it carried, you know, people talking about him. With that, it carried religious consequences that he may not be allowed into the temple. He might be viewed if he had leadership positions in the religious um, work of the day. Maybe he was going to be not able to do that anymore. But, but he gave up all of that for what was best for Mary and her child. See, he took on more difficulty because that was the right thing to do. And he showed compassion on Mary because it says that he took her immediately to be his wife. Now, we don't know how long they were into this engagement waiting period. But immediately, so if there was, you know, two months left, he said, I'm not waiting two months to make her my wife. I'm going to make her my wife now. Well, why would he rush that? I think it's because he wanted to care for Mary. He didn't want Mary to have to walk down this road any longer by herself. If people were gonna say something bad and negative about Mary because she was pregnant outside of being married, he wanted to stand there with her and say, but you're gonna have to talk about me as well. That I'm gonna be the one to care for her. I'm gonna be the one at this moment to go ahead and put myself out there and serve because God has called me to do that. And I think that, that took great, great courage because he showed compassion. He showed compassion in the fact that before the angel came, he was gonna divorce her quietly. He had every right to make a public spectacle and point all the blame to her, but he said, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do what I think is best, but I'm gonna do it in a way that's gonna show her dignity. But then when God said, here's a bigger part of the story, he said, you know what? I'm gonna take her on. 
And I'm going to play the role God has called me to play. And it's going to take courage because I'm going to step into some difficult things, but I'm going to do so because I want to show compassion. See, compassion, like other qualities for a follower of Jesus, is not, it's not just about the emotion or the feeling. It's about the action. In James chapter uh, 2, verse 14 through 17, James writes this, says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay more, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Look, listen, compassion is all about action. Truly having courage to care for somebody else is about actually doing something out of that courage. And so we have to be people who understand this, that it's not just about feeling compassion for people that God desires. It's about doing compassionate things for people that shows the true nature of our character. Listen, we can feel compassion for refugees. We can feel, you know, um, grieved for people who have to leave their home. But we have an opportunity now to do something about that and serve out of our compassion. See, courage is one of the most important things because courage is what allows everything else to become a reality. Uh, Maya Angelou, the great poet, writes this. I think this is a great quote. It says, courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. See, his compassion, Joseph's compassion was birthed because he had a character that was courageous. And if we're gonna be people who are compassionate, then we've got to be people who are courageous. If you want to be faithful, we've got to be people who are courageous enough and brave enough to do what God's called us to do. And Joseph was faithful to God and Joseph was compassionate to others. Here's the third thing about Joseph is, is that his faith, his confidence, his bravery, his courage led him to be willing to respond. He found himself in a difficult situation. God was asking him to be part of, uh, of something pretty important, pretty monumental, something pretty challenging. And his response was to do what God said. Look at Matthew 124. It said, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. That he was willing to respond to what God had commanded him to do. He had other plans. He had other, uh, other things already laid out. His original plan was to be married to the, his fiance, Mary, to live this life together in this great life together. She comes up pregnant. And so what, what does he do? His plan is to divorce her quietly. But then God shows up and says, here's what I have for you to do. And he immediately responds and chooses God's way. You know, what's the difference between somebody who has great potential to do things for God and somebody who actually does great things for God? It's about saying yes. See, I believe this, and the Bible teaches this, that, that every single person, every single one of us in this room, that we are made in the image of God, and God has given you an incredible potential to live your life in a way that will make much of him and be a blessing for others and, and lead you to, 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 to fullness and purpose and meaning. That every single person, your personality, your experiences, good and bad, your, your gifts, your, um, the fact that you live here where you live, the fact you're a part of this church, all of that God has done for you because that potential is what he wants to use. 
But the difference in whether or not you're going to do what God has for you to do and live out the fullness of your potential comes directly down to your willingness to respond to God, especially in difficult things. See, Joseph, in his courage, he was willing to respond. And he didn't wait to respond. God said, do this, and Joseph did that. And his courage allowed him the, the confidence to respond to God. But it begins with a willingness. Are you willing to do what God is going to call you to do? See, Joseph had this faithfulness. He had this compassion, but he had a willingness to respond to God. And here's the last thing we see. Is that Joseph had self-discipline to do what was right. He had self-discipline to do what was right. Look at Matthew 1, 25. It's a little thing. It's a little detail, but I think it, it says a lot about who Joseph was. Matthew 1, 25. says, he took Mary to be his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So it's a little thing, but I believe it goes back to the character of who Joseph was. So Jesus, God's son, was conceived in a miraculous way through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph then takes Mary to be his wife. But because he doesn't want to do anything that would cause people to question the miraculous nature of Jesus' birth, he chooses not to sleep with his wife. Now, is that a little thing? Yeah, it's a little thing. But what does that reveal? That Joseph had the discipline to put God and God's plan before him and his own needs. And then he goes on to say that even to the very detail of what the angel said, that Joseph called him Jesus. See, Joseph had the discipline, the self-discipline, to do even the little things that would make the bigger difference. See, we don't like, like in church culture, we don't like talking about things like discipline. We'd much rather talk about grace, talk about love, talk about joy, talk about fun. Like we'd, we'd much rather talk about all that kind of stuff. But in every person that makes a difference for God, in every person that's faithful to God, there comes a point where that person, that man, that woman has to choose discipline. They have to choose to do the right thing, even in the little ways. And what the Bible teaches us is this, is that those daily decisions, those little things, that makes the difference that allows us to be faithful in the bigger things, in the more difficult situations, in the more tempting opportunities. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the larger ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest in the greater responsibilities. See, the reason why some people aren't used by God to do bigger things is because they're not faithful to God in the smaller things. You can't think that you're gonna live your life however you want to, allowing compromise and sin and all these things to be a part of your life and then think that God's gonna put you in a situation and you're gonna make that great decision all of a sudden. All those little decisions will determine your destination. So the little things matter just as much as the big things because the little things and faithfulness in the little things, that's what prepares us to be faithful in the bigger things.
And so Joseph showed that he had some self-discipline to do what was right. And then when the, the big opportunity came, that discipline, that character he had built up, it helped him to make the right decision to be brave. See, if you take one picture of Joseph, if you take that final picture, you would think the road to get there was easy. But the full story, the full picture of, Jesus, of Joseph is a lot more difficult. That Joseph had to, not just once, but multiple times, he had to choose to be brave. He had to choose to have courage, to put his confidence in God, not in his circumstances in life. And because he was willing to do that, when this opportunity arose and God asked the big question, God gave him the big command, invited him to be part of the bigger story in a very prominent and powerful way. He was able to say yes because he had developed a character that was courageous. Here's the question I wanna leave you with today is this. Where in your life are you struggling to be brave? Where in your life are you struggling to be brave? You know, is it that you're struggling to be brave and being faithful to God in every part of your life? To be the, the faithful follower of Jesus when you're out with your friends on Saturday night, when you're on the ball field, when you're at school, when you're you know, at work, when you're out on the road with, with, with your colleagues, you're traveling around. Like, are, you know, are, are, you, are you challenged to be faithful? Are you struggling to be brave and faithful in front of everybody and not just the church people you're around? Are you struggling to have compassion? Because you know that if you show compassion to that person, it may cost you something. It may make your life more difficult and you're struggling to have the courage to do that. Are you struggling to have the courage to be willing to respond to God and what he's called you to do, what he's called you to be a part of, how he's called you to change your life or to embrace something different? Do you need to be brave in your Willingness to be disciplined in the little things. See, the coolest part about God is this, is that when God calls us to something, God will help us become what we need to become to do what he's called us to do. See, the most powerful thing that we can experience as people is the power of God's spirit inside of us, his presence and power that's alive in every single person that follows Jesus. And that power is the thing that gives us the ability to be brave, to be courageous. But we've got to feed that side of who we are. So how in your life, where in your life are you struggling to be brave? Are you willing to give that area to God today and say, God, I need you to help make me brave? Would you stand with me? As we pray, we're going to move into a time of response and we're going to sing a new song together. And part of this song, there's, there's a part of it that says this. It says that he makes me brave. It's a declaration that courage is found in our confidence in God, not the circumstances in our life. Where do you need to be brave today? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, for how you used ordinary people to be part of extraordinary things, God. The only perfect person in your story was Jesus. 
And God, we see in Joseph the willingness to be brave, to be courageous. But God recognized that that was a struggle. But because of who he was, who you made him to be, God, the power he found in you, he was able to step into a difficult, challenging time. And God, you used him in an incredible way. And so God, where in our lives do we need to choose to be brave? Where are we struggling? I pray, God, as we sing this song today, that we'll be encouraged. And God, that we'll seek you and say, God, help me to be brave in whatever we're going through. In Jesus' name, amen.